Good morning. I have to ask your permission. I took my jacket off because it's a little warm in here, okay? And I'm getting ready to do some preaching, so I want to make sure that if I start leaking, don't worry about it, I'm good, okay? I want to just welcome everybody to our worship service, and I want to welcome everybody who's watching online, and I want to give a special shout out to Don Dirksen, who I went to visit this last week, who is uh, homebound, and Don has been watching us for quite some time, and so Don, I just want to say welcome to you and everybody else who's watching literally all around the world. I know that in this room today that we have mature believers, and we've got young believers, and we've got people who are unbelievers who are searching for the truth, and I want you to know that you are all welcome here, and it's my prayer that this morning you got to witness what it looks like and what it feels like when God's church comes together. And the way that we identify with our Heavenly Father is the way we love one another. So welcome. Well, I got to tell you, um, there's some place that I'd rather be this morning. I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings, because I know most mornings you're thinking, Pastor Bob, there's some place I would rather be. No. But I want you to know is that if I could be anywhere right now, I'd be in that children's ministry. Okay? because today is the first day that it's open. And we're going to dedicate it on September 11th, okay? But you need to go see this place, because you help pay for it. It's my dream come true. This is the place. Remember, I told you that this is the place that we are really investing in our kids, and I hope that you'll take a moment. So we're going to dedicate it on September 11th, and then afterwards we're going to kind of have an open house. But please, don't wait till then. I also want you to know that at the end of September, we're going to take up a special offering. We've got a couple hundred thousand dollars that we need to finish paying on this, and so we're going to take a special offering, a Thanksgiving offering, thanking the good Lord for how he has blessed us and how he is blessing our children, and I know you're going to want to be a part of that. All right, so we're now halfway through this sermon series called The Armor of God, and I want to begin this morning with something that is very, very relative to all of us. In the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, specifically Daniel chapter 7, Daniel sees a vision, and the vision is of four beasts. Each one of these beasts represents something. The first beast represents the world power of the Babylonian Empire. It came it conquered, it ruled, and then as Daniel's vision came to pass, it was defeated by the second beast, which were the Persians. The Persians were the world power of that time, and they ruled because they conquered, and they set the stage for the third beast, and the third beast was that of the Greeks. And the Greeks came in, and they conquered and overpowered, and they became the ruling power of that day. And then comes the fourth beast, but Daniel tells us that the fourth beast is different than all of the others. In fact, the words that he uses are the words unnatural. What you need to understand is that fourth beast represents not only the power that came and overthrew the Greeks, which was the Roman Empire, but it also represents the last world power to rule this earth. P. 
people, it is unnatural. You know what that means? It means that the last power that is going to rule this earth before Jesus comes is going to be a power that fights against God. It will fight against creation. Everything God created and the order in which he created, this last power will fight against that and seek to destroy it. In other words, it will go against everything that is natural because this world power is unnatural. Now remember in the book of Romans, the Bible is very clear about the difference between natural and unnatural, right? Natural are those things that are of God. Unnatural is everything that goes against God. Case in point, in Pennsylvania, a high school is having an after-school satanic party to welcome students back. My dear friends in Christ, you realize we are well into the era of this last power. Do not be deceived. Because the Bible tells us what we are to do in this time. And you know what it is? Stand firm. Stand firm and don't retreat. And what do we stand on? We stand on the Word of God. Amen? May God give us the power and the faith to do that. And that brings us to what we're talking about here today. The Apostle Paul, we're studying his letter to the church in Ephesus. And the subject, once again, as we've been studying the last three weeks, is spiritual warfare. And Paul identifies the enemy. In fact, in chapter 6, when we get to this point, Paul says, finally, as if now I can tell you what I've really been wanting to tell you. He says, finally, you need to understand, you need to stand firm. And then he says, and you need to fight with spiritual weapons. You can't fight this battle unless you have spiritual weapons. And then he names the spiritual weapons for us. He talks about truth. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness. He talks about the shoes of the gospel of peace. Those are three pieces of the arsenal that we've already talked about, right? But the last thing Paul says is something very important. Now as he begins the second half of this armor, he uses a different adjective. You see, in the first part, in the first three, he says, put on. In other words, what Paul is saying, truth, righteousness, peace, that's a state that you live in throughout your life. But now, ladies and gentlemen, he says, take up. In other words, he is now about to give us the weapons that when all hell breaks loose in our life, that we need to pick up. In the days when the Romans were ruling this world, the minute a young man went into the Roman army, the first thing that happened is he was given his armor and his weaponry. You know what's interesting about that? The same thing happens when you and I become followers of Jesus Christ. When we put our faith 
in the Lord Jesus Christ, the first thing he gives us is our weaponry. Now listen, not just to fight the battle, but win the battle. I want you to think about something. A baseball player puts on a uniform before he goes out and plays, right? He never changes that uniform throughout the game. It stays the same. He wears that throughout the entire game. However, he doesn't carry a bat with him all throughout the game, does he? And he doesn't carry a glove with him all throughout the game. He only carries these pieces of equipment when he needs them. Now let me ask you a question. What do you think the commentators would say if a baseball player walked up to the plate without a bat? They would have a field day on him, wouldn't they? So if that's true, what do you think the Lord thinks when you try and fight this battle without the equipment he's given you? I want you to think about something very carefully. A soldier carried his shield with him everywhere he went. But that shield did him no good just carrying it. He had to use it by holding it out front and standing behind it. May God give us the power today to hear his word about the shield of faith. Would you please stand with me out of respect for God's word? As I read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the special forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, here it is, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit for all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. This is God's Word for God's people. Let's pray together, and we're going to pray like we did last week. We're going to pray this prayer, believing and by faith. So, in your mind, with your shield lifted, let's pray. Father, today I claim victory over Satan by putting on the whole armor of God which you have given me. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. By faith, I am prepared to live this day in spiritual victory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
I hope you prayed that by faith. And did you remember those last words? What does it say? In faith, in faith, I believe. All right, so this morning we're going to have a little bit of fun, and then I'm going to give you some time at the end to respond to this, because this is one of those messages that God demands a response. So I want you to know that when a Roman soldier would go into the army and he would get all of his weaponry, all of his armor, what I want you to be aware of is this. The weight, the average weight of all of this armory and weaponry for this individual soldier was somewhere between 75 and 125 pounds, depending on the size of the man. And I say depending on the size of the man because of this reason. These shields were built in the size and in the height and the width of the one who used this. I want to say this again. The shield was fitted for the individual soldier. Did everybody hear that? Now let's go to the book of Romans. And I want you to listen to what Paul says about faith. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Now look at this. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. I want you to understand what Paul is saying here when he's talking about your faith. Listen very carefully. Here's what Paul is saying. You're covered. Did you hear me? You're covered. God has given you the faith that you need to win the battle, not just fight it, but win the battle and accomplish every task that the Lord Jesus Christ has given you. You have what you need to accomplish the work of Jesus Christ. So the very first thing that you need to be reminded of when we go back to truth, truth is not this. I don't have enough faith. That's a lie. Because the scriptures teach us that you have what you need. God gave you the faith. And it's not the amount of faith you have, because the Bible says if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there. The faith that you need to have to face everything that you need has been given to you, and if it needs to grow, God will grow that faith through trials and suffering, right? So you remember that we focused on the fact that we have the truth of the Word of God, which means this, I know what's right and wrong. That leads to the breastplate of righteousness. If I know what's right or wrong, I now know what I need to do and I choose to do what's right. We live out righteousness. The third part is the breastplate of righteousness, or excuse me, is the shoes of the gospel of peace. And remember, I know what's right and wrong. I've chosen to do the right thing. How do I know I've done the right thing? I have peace of God. Now, remember what peace does. Peace holds us in place. When we have the peace of God and Satan comes at us with all of his lies and the wind blows and he throws all of these temptations at us just like a hurricane and we may bend, but peace will hold us in place. Amen? 
So in this world right now, when you hear of all of these different things that are going on, you know what truth is, you know what you need to do, and even in the midst of all of these things going around me, I will not be shaken of it because I have dug in, I have the armor of God on, and this peace I have holds me in place. And now comes faith. Now Paul says, now you got to take up the shield of faith. you got to pick it up. And what I want you to understand that in the Greek, the idea of faith is this. It's always moving forward. You see, faith always advances. Even in the midst, even in the midst of the battle that you are fighting, because you have faith, you are advancing in the midst of the battle. And so my question for you this morning is this, how do you know you are living in faith? You know what the answer is? Look at your feet. Are they moving? Faith is not standing still, faith advances. So here's a good definition for you when it comes to faith. Faith is living like God is telling the truth. Faith is living like God is telling the truth. Look at the scripture verse that we're gonna focus on this morning. In addition to all this, what are those next two words? One more time. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, the shield of faith. I want you to see what that looks like, okay? I'm going to leave this up here because I'm going to talk about this for a little bit, okay? In the Greek, the word shield means door, okay? So it was very common for a mother or a wife of a soldier to say something like this, when their son or husband or male son or brother would leave, here's what she would say to him. Make sure you come home with your soul, or excuse me, you make sure you come home with your shield, but don't come back on it. Make sure you come home with your shield, but don't come back on it. You see, the shield was very large. And it was used as something to protect and cover a soldier. But it was also used as a stretcher and that which hauled off the wounded and the dead. When someone died in the Roman government, in the Roman army, they would bring them back on their own shield and they would take them to their home and they would lay them at the doorstep. Now this shield was very large and it was made of wood one piece of wood. It was carved to the size of the individual soldier. But there's something else that they did to this shield. On the front of the shield, they would put not one, not two, not three strips of leather, but they would put eight strips of lever, leather over the front of the shield of wood, okay? Eight strips of leather you can begin to think that this is something that's pretty heavy, can't you? These men had to be powerful to learn how to use these large shields. 
eight strips of leather went from top to bottom and from side to side. What they did then is they had a piece of brass, and the piece of brass went all the way around the shield, and what it did is it held the shield together. Now, there was a problem that these Roman soldiers learned about early on, and you know what the problem was? When they carried these shields, because they were in the sun, the shields would become brittle which meant that if something, a blunt object or force would hit it or they would drop it, it would break in two. In other words, the shield was useless. So you know what they had to do? Every morning when a soldier got up, the very first thing he would do is, now listen, he would anoint his shield with oil. In other words, he would rub this oil into his shield so that it would seep through the leather and make the leather soft so that it could be usable and it could could protect the Roman soldier from flaming darts or whatever might be thrown at him from the enemy. I want you to hear this now. If that shield is our shield of faith, then this is what the Bible is teaching us. Every morning, your shield of faith must have a fresh anointing. So let me ask you this question. Is your shield of faith a little brittle this morning? Are you walking in your life on last week's anointing? I know what that feels like. Because when I hold my shield of faith up before me, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. All right, now, I want you to understand something because it goes a little deeper here. Watch this. The word anointed means to smear or rub with oil. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever walked somewhere and you've seen on a wall, do not touch wet paint? How many of you have seen that? How many of you touch the paint, the wall? Okay. I don't know what it is, but we do that, right? Now, let me ask you a question. This is very important. What happens when you touch the wall with wet paint? Two things. Number one, it smears. And number two, you take paint with you. It rubs off, right? How do you know your kids, your grandkids have been in the paint? It's on their fingers, right? It rubbed off. Now watch this. Our English expression to rub off means to have an effect through close association or contact so as to make similar I want you to understand something very important, okay? So when a Roman army, a legion, an army was ready to go to battle, these commanders in the army would have runners, and they did not have time to check the shields because the soldiers carried the shields at their size. So you know what they did? As they went through the ranks, they simply focused on the soldiers' hands. 
You know why? Because the oil rubbed off. Now, what might God have to say to us about this picture that we have in our mind this morning? Well, I want to give you a picture of a real-life story that happened, and it takes place in Acts chapter 4. The disciples are standing in front of the Sanhedrin. Listen to these words. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You know what that phrase means? I know you're going to figure it out. You know what that phrase means, that these men had been with Jesus? It means this. He rubbed off on them. Our shield of faith with this fresh anointing of the Spirit of the living God, enables us not to just stand in the battle, but advance in the midst of the battle because the Word of God covers us and protects us in all things. Now, we're not done yet. God wants to make sure this really gets through. Let's go back to Ephesians 6, 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. All right. How many of you like old westerns? Oh, I knew my people were in here. (laughs) Now, you know what? I love the old westerns, but the older, the better. I like the cowboys and Indians. Okay? All right. So let me just kind of set the stage for you. The cowboys are assisting the wagon trains as they go west. Everybody got that picture in mind? Okay? So they're going west, and what happens? All of a sudden, the Indians come. What do the wagons do? They circle, right? They form a barrier. What do the cowboys do? The cowboys get behind these wagon trains and they boom, 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 just pick them off one at a time. And it looks like a slaughter until one Indian, one Indian takes a flaming arrow and he shoots that arrow at the wagon train. And what happens? The wagon train starts on fire. Now the cowboys have two problems. They have the problems of the Indians, and they have the problems of the burning wagons. Now listen very carefully. They cannot take their eyes off of either one of them because it will cost them their life. Satan's flaming arrows just like the flaming arrows of the Indians, have one purpose, to distract you. You see, if Satan gets you distracted because of those arrows, then he can win the battle. In other words, Satan knows you can't multitask. You can't do both. You can't fight a fire, and you can't fight the Indians at the same time. Now, in a battle, 
The soldiers in those days, what happened is that they developed the very first missiles. And you know what they did? They would take arrows and they would hollow them out and they would put flammable fluid in them. And they would light the tip. And then they would fire these arrows at the Romans. And when it would hit the shield, then that arrow would break and that, that combustible fluid would spread all over and the shield would start on fire. So what's a soldier to do? You want to know, don't you? Before he went in water, before he went into the fire, before he went into battle, he had to dip his shield in water. You know what water is in the Bible? It's God's Word. Living, running water is, the, is, what, is God's Word. And so God is telling us, when you're fighting the enemy in the spiritual world, you've got to be aware of the two battles. And isn't it true that when we battle in the spiritual, we have two battles, right? There's the battle that we're in, and there's the battle that goes on in our mind. And you have to fight both battles. And so what does God give us? He gives us one tool that will conquer. Now, let me just tell you this. Why in the world, why in the world would I soak my, my shield in water? And the answer is, is because the Bible tells us it will extinguish the flaming arrows. How many of them? All of them. All right, now, I want you to see this in real life. Because a lot of people will say, well, Pastor Bob, okay, so what are these flaming arrows? You know what they are? Here's what they are. Lies. Pride, anger, gossip, anxious, worry, lust, it goes on and on, okay? Those are the arrows that Satan uses to distract you. All right, so let's see what that looks like in real life. And the Bible's got a great story, okay? It takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 17, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, David and Goliath. Do you remember what happened? David got some orders from his father, Jesse, he says, I want you to go to your brothers who are in battle, and I want you to check on them. And he gave them some food and stuff to give to the commanders. Remember all of that? He goes, I just want you to check and see how they're doing, all right? Now, I want you to remember that David had spent all of his time in the wilderness watching over the sheep, hearing from God, living faith, and experiencing faith in his fighting of all of the wild animals. David had an unbelievable relationship with his God. Now watch what happens here in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, verse 27 through 29. So David asked the question about this Goliath guy. So what's going to happen to him for the one who defeats him? Now listen to this. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. 
David's brother, Eliab, was being used by the devil to distract David for what God had given him to do. And what had God given him to do? To destroy this Philistine who was making all of these accusations against the living God. Now, I want to close with this. I went back and I asked a question, so when is the first time the word shield is used in the Bible? And it takes place in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 15. Take a look at this. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. When the Bible says the word of the Lord, he's usually talking about a prophecy. When the word of the Lord came to Abraham, he says, do not be afraid, Abraham, I am your what? Shield. Shield. Your very great reward. Right here, our God tells all of us, he is our shield. He is our protector. All I have to do is hold him out front and keep advancing in faith and he will be protecting us. This is personal, you guys. This is between you and your God. And he says, I have given you this shield of faith. Take it up, and I will be your shield. Take a look. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. All right, now, as we wind this down, and Pastor George, I'm going to ask you if you would come up And if you would just get on the piano and get ready, I want to show you one last picture, okay? The Romans were known for a very skillful army tactic. It was a maneuver that they performed that saved their lives. It was called the tortoise. Here's what it looked like. No fiery dart, no cannonball, nothing could get through a shield like that. There's only one thing that every soldier had to remember. Stay behind and in the presence of the shield. Did you hear that? You have to stay behind and you have to stay in the presence of the shield so that the shield can protect you. And here's what I want you to know about this. If one soldier didn't do his job, it cost many their lives. And isn't that true in here? One person not using their shield of faith, just taking it with them, dragging it along with them, and the devil comes and attacks And he takes that individual out, and maybe that's a father. Maybe that's a leader in the church, and he takes out so many other people with him. So what does God desire of us as his people? To take up God's word. To be in it daily. That's where you get your fresh anointing. And to make sure that this word is not just on you, but it's in you. And when it's in you, 
you become a very formidable foe against the devil because he knows he cannot defeat the truth of God's word. Close with this. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. Now look at this. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. I'm going to ask if you would just stand. And I want to close with this song. This is our response about a fresh anointing of God's Spirit upon your life. Maybe you want to come forward and you want to be prayed with or prayed for. Maybe you want to go out to the starting point afterwards and you have questions about this shield of faith and the importance that it is in your life. And how do you pick up this shield of faith? We'll answer those questions. But right now, I want you to think about what God has given to us today, that we not just hear his word, but we live it. Would you lead us, Pastor George?
Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy, and his strength. Go forth carrying the shield of faith forward and advancing in the midst of the battle. God bless you. I love you. We'll see you next week.